I believe I probably should introduce myself. My name is Joseph Davidson. Some of you know me. I've been hanging around Christmas a long time. But my guess is you probably don't know me as well as you think you do. You know, I'm kind of like the father of the bride at the wedding. No one really sees this guy, but he's got to pay for the whole shebang. And you're getting ready to enjoy Christmas and celebrate Christmas, and that's the way it should be, but you need to know that it has cost me a great deal. Let me, let me explain a little bit. My, my only claim to fame growing up was that I was from the line of David. And in all honesty, that's not a major boast because David lived about a thousand years before me and he had many wives and so there were hundreds, thousands of people walking around who could claim to be from the line of David. But it was something and it brought me pride, probably like if you checked out your genealogy and you went back 12 generations to someone who came over on the Mayflower, that would make you proud. The same sort of thing with me. That was where I was at. But David had died way before I came on the scene. And the glory of his kingdom faded way before I came on the scene. We lived in very dark times, moral and spiritual, awful. The, the oppression that the Roman government had placed on us, my countrymen did not look to tomorrow with any kind of hope. No, if, if anything, it was with anxiety. It was just make it through the day. It was survival mode. That's, that's where, where I was. Well, I, I grew up in, in Bethlehem. So it's about seven miles south of, of Jerusalem. And, and then we, we moved to a little town called Nazareth. It's up in the hill country by the Sea of Galilee. Now, some of you are familiar with Nazareth, which is amazing to me because Nazareth is such a small place. Other side of the world, long time ago, small place, but you know of this, this place. Uh, Nazareth was uh, the butt end of many jokes in my area. People would say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And after having lived there, I would say, can any bad thing come out of Nazareth? Can anything come out of Nazareth? It was just so small. I didn't move there because I knew, knew it was this major thriving megalopolis, but instead to work my trade. I'm a... Uh, down-to-earth, not-flashy, plain guy. Uh, I'm, I'm a carpenter, and that should tell you something about me. And carpenters are practical people. We're not poets. We're not philosophers. Uh, we like to work with that which we can see and, and measure and cut and saw. I love working with wood. And if you've worked with wood for a while, you know that there's a spirit in wood. Oak and aspen, and pine. Each wood is different. Some of it's as hard as metal. Some of it's pliable as clay. But wood is an honest thing. Now, I'm told that some of y'all have, have doors at home of wood that are hollow in the middle. Now, I don't mean to insult you at all, but you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Uh, something that's one thing on the outside and different on the inside. I like wood that's wood all the way through. Wood that has an integrity. I like that in wood. I like that in people. Well, Nazareth was, was a good, a good time for me. It was there that I met Mary. Now, she was only 14 when I met her. A wonderful girl. What wonderful woman. And it wasn't too long after that that we were betrothed. Betrothed, 
It's, it's engaged, is what you'd say. But but engaged on steroids, it was serious. I mean, it was it was official. Uh, it lasted about a year, sometimes more. It was during the betrothal that the families got to know each other. That a dowry was worked out. That a trip to Jerusalem to the temple was made to check the records. We lived in such a compact area it would be easy to marry somebody who's a close relative without even knowing it. So we had to go check the records just to make sure. Well, as I was there, you need to know that at this point in in time, I began to fall deeply in love with Mary. Now, this is different than the way you do it. You fall in love, and then you get engaged. We get engaged, and then we fall in love. And I fell in love with Mary head over heels. The more I got to know her, she was incredible. She would throw her head back when she would laugh and her eyes would dance. Sometimes she would just be giddy. It was was fun to be with her. As a woman, she had a very strong, stable person. As strong as as the pillars at the temple. She she was a thinker, Mary. She, She thought deeply on things and had an incredible gift of expressing her thoughts to music. She had a great voice. Some of her, her songs were simply magnificent. They, they really were. And this, this time, I dreamed. I dreamed of, of building a house that Mary and I could share. I dreamed of building a home. And our family one day, I, I dreamed of just being with, with Mary. I dreamed. And it's strange, isn't it? How quickly, sometimes just overnight, your dreams can turn to nightmares and... Uh, your plans can be shattered. I noticed Mary was quiet. Just suddenly, she just went quiet and was withdrawn, and she wouldn't talk with me. And I, I, I pulled her aside and I said, Mary, what's, what's wrong? She said, I, I can't talk about it, Joseph. I have to figure out how to tell you. How to tell me? How to tell me what? Well, I had a job in Capernaum, but the whole time I was away, I'm thinking, tell me what? What's with Mary's silence and and her being withdrawn? Did I offend her family? Did I displease her in some way? Maybe they found something in the records at Jerusalem that would keep us from getting married. And so I came back to Nazareth and I, I went right to Mary. I said, Mary, I'm going to be your husband. You can tell me anything. Mary, anything, and it won't be a problem. Well, she told me. And it was a problem. I thought, oh. She, she looked at me, started to shake a little bit. She said, I'm pregnant. And then she started crying. And I think I had to ask her a half a dozen times or more to repeat herself. What? I, I said, what, what are you? Hang on, wait a minute. What? What? How, how could this be? I mean, not, not me. Not me. And our town was so small. Certainly there would have been somebody that we would suspect. There would be something that someone would have seen something. But no. And as Mary told me, she didn't tell me uh, as if she'd been hurt by somebody. And she didn't tell me as if she was guilty. But I had questions I had to ask. But I was afraid of the answers. And when she did answer, there's no way in the world I could have been prepared for that. She said... An angel came to me, 14-year-old girl in a fifth-rate town, saying that she would be the mother of our long-awaited Messiah. And then she said, Joe, I'm still a virgin. 
and the baby within me. It's been implanted by none other than Jehovah God himself. What a good actress she was. I thought, oh. I, I, I was furious. I wanted to hurt somebody. And I was crushed at the same, same time. I was angry and I was hurt. And they say that anger and hurt are two sides of the same coin. But it was as if someone took my coin and spun it. and was. I, I was so confused. I was so hurt and angry. and I wanted to hurt her. I wanted to hurt her for hurting me. Hurting us. In my law, it says that if a girl is caught in adultery, you are to stone her. Now, we didn't practice that a lot in my time, but still, there was examples we could have. But I didn't want to hurt her that way. I didn't want to hurt her physically. But still, I, I, to get her back somehow for what she's done, for lying to me. She, she took my reputation. I, I'm a righteous man. I'm not a perfect man, but, but I've sought my whole life to know the law and to, to understand what it says and live my life accordingly as best as I could. I love Jehovah God with all my heart and soul and strength and mind. I do. And in my area, the most important thing a person has is not their money or it's not their real estate or it's not their education. It's their reputation. And mine was okay. But you tell me, when people find out that Mary's pregnant, what are they going to think? It's all that Joseph. That Joseph defiled sweet, innocent, pure Mary. It's his fault. And he defied Jehovah God. His passions control him, not God's word. I would be disowned by my family. I could be shunned by the community. There's a possibility that I could be expelled from the temple forever. I was no longer to be categorized as a righteous person, but in the same category as tax gatherers and sinners. That's who I would be. And so I knew what I had to do. I had to go public with this. I had to go to the elders at the gate. And I had to tell them what had happened and explain that, that I am not the father. And then I needed to publicly accuse Mary of adultery. It was the only way to protect my reputation. And so that's what I was going to do. That's what I thought about doing. But problem is, I love Mary. Still, as though she lied to me, though she betrayed me somehow. And I knew that if I went public... It would, Mary's already going to be in trouble. But then she would be, it would be dangerous for her. So I decided, uh, I knew I couldn't marry her. The, she had someone else's baby. But I needed to sever the relationship quietly and just let people think what they needed to think. I would deal with that then. That was the plan. Well, Mary felt that she needed to leave town, which probably wasn't a bad idea. She went south to, to Hebron area. Her cousin Elizabeth and, and her husband Zechariah had a home there, and, and she would be safe there. They would take care of her. Elizabeth was like a, a mother to Mary, actually kind of like a grandmother to Mary, but it would, they'd take care of her. But think about me for a moment. I mean, put yourself in my sandals, okay? Mary's gone, but the problem's not gone. 
And so I was continuously thinking about this all the time. I thought I would explode. I was supposed to be working on something at my bench. And then lots of time after, I would have accomplished nothing. I would see myself just looking out the window at at nothing. I would find myself on my knees in the corner of the room crying, trying to pray. This was all-consuming. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Now, one night, I did get to sleep. And, And... at that point, I had a dream. Not like a normal dream. I have normal, we have normal dreams. This, this was not a normal dream. It was dark, and there was a bright light, and there was an angel. And I was terrified, as you can imagine. And the angel said, don't be afraid. And peace swept over me. And then the angel said, Joseph Davidson, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Well, I woke up, and the room was dark. There was no angel. I had to process this. What just happened? Was this real? What would make sense? Why Mary didn't seem to act like she was hurt or guilty. Could this be true? Could this really be true? I played the message of the angel over and over in my mind. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your your wife. And and then, then that second part really got me. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You'll call his name Jesus. It's Joshua. He'll save his people from... The Messiah really was coming. Now, I'm a man of, of the word of God. I, I, I know the prophecies from beginning on. It was told to us by Jehovah that, that the Messiah would come. It would be from heaven and he would deliver us. But uh, I guess I wasn't expecting him to come via my fiance. And, and uh, I realized what the angel was asking. He was asking me to be a father to the son of God. How do you do that? I am not qualified for that. Oh, I'm not qualified for that at all. I thought, oh my goodness, I can't do this. Well, I, I, I went to Hebron and explained my situation to Zechariah and Elizabeth. I thought they would, they would laugh or mock or something, but they believed me. And then I went to Mary and I, I apologized profusely for not, not believing her and explained to her what happened and then, then brought her back to Nazareth. We got married as soon as we could. You need to know... I did not touch her in the manner of of husband and wife until after Jesus was born. But we lived in in Nazareth. You know, they say that a a wise man knows what time it is in his life. And I knew that from this point on, everything was going to be different. And I also knew that because Jehovah God had engineered this plan, even though I could perceive problems, it would go smoothly. And there would be no real issues because it came from God. Well, I'm a carpenter, not a theologian. I can't imagine how wrong I was there. Mary's ninth month, Caesar Augustus comes up with a decree. He wants a big census of his empire for the purpose of taxation, like we need another tax. But what that meant was all males had to go to their their origin of, of birth to register. Now, for you... When they have a census, the census taker comes to you. Such a thought never entered the mind of Caesar Augustus. And I knew I had to go to Bethlehem. 
My only question is, do I bring Mary? Nine months pregnant. And this would be a very difficult journey. But when I thought about leaving her back in that toxic, dangerous, uh, unfriendly place, and then I thought that if the baby was to come, would there be anybody who would help her? Now, I had to take her. And whatever risk we incurred would be much less than the risk of leaving her there. And as we were getting closer to Bethlehem, her, her pain started. And I knew, though, that once we got to Bethlehem, things would be okay. I have family there. As we got into town, though, I did not take into account the crowds from the census. And we found my relatives, all of which had, had overbooked themselves and taken on more people than they could handle. I went to the, the caravansary where the, where the poor people would be, but it was overflowing. Well, I was beginning to panic because Mary's pains were coming closer and were hurting her more. I, I found a, a cave on the outskirts of town. A farmer used it for his animals. But at least we were out of the elements, and there was no time to lose. Brought Mary in later down on the hay, uh, made a little fire off the side so we could see and be warm. And the baby came. I'm a carpenter. Now, uh, Mary had to be midwife and mother at the same time. I, I did cut the cord. I knew enough to do that and clean off the baby as much as I could and wrap him in cloths and laid him in a manger. I can't lay him on the floor. The floor was filthy. Not sure what to do, so I just laid him in the kettle trough. And Mary finally was able to rest. She was exhausted. And the baby, he was able to rest. I think the birth was hard on both of them. Now, Mary and I would argue about this later days, but I told her, I think the birth was harder on me than anybody else. She, she didn't believe me. But, but my physical self was tired, but my mind was racing. I could not rest. I thought, if my beloved really is highly favored by God, what are we doing in a cave? I thought, if this is the Messiah, explain the cattle and the filth. You would think that if this was really the Messiah, that there would be somebody from Jerusalem to greet us, to see the baby's birth. But no one came. No one even came from Bethlehem. I mean, except uh, some shepherds. They were like country bumpkins. They, they had the smell of wineskins about them. But they came in telling us that, that they had seen a choir of angels announcing the birth of this baby. And then they left. I sat there more alone than I had, had ever been before. I had decided that what we would do is not go back to Nazareth. We would stay in, in Bethlehem. We, we got a, a room. I took whatever jobs I could take to pay to help to take care of us. And we were there for over a, a year uh, when we received some strange visitors. These were astrologers from the land on the other side of the rising sun, Iran. And they, 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 they said that they had seen a star, a sign in the heavens, announcing the birth of a new king. And they, they came to pay homage. And they went to Jerusalem. And they, they talked with our half-breed king, Herod, and they asked him where the new king was. We can imagine Herod did not appreciate this very much at all. But they looked in the scriptures that said Bethlehem. 
And then they came out and saw the star. It led them right to where we were. So you can imagine my surprise. There's a knock on the door. And I'm thinking, it's a beggar. I'm thinking, it's the person next door. And I open the door, and there is this entourage of dignity. There's, this, there's these pagan dignitaries wearing clothes that I have never seen the caliber of before in my life. And the jewels. And they, they came on in with their bodyguard armed. And I'm thinking, my life gets crazier and crazier. By You can't script this stuff. <laughs> well, they were fine until they saw Jesus. And then the uh, appearance of their faces changed. And they started towards him. And I got nervous. I didn't know what they were here for. I was, I was getting ready to put myself between Jesus and, and them. When suddenly, they went to their knees. And they began to worship Jesus. And they gave, they gave him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. These were gifts of a king I've never seen, and I would never see anything like them again. But these gifts played a very important part in our journey, for it wasn't long after this that that Mary and, and myself, Jesus, we had to leave town. Herod had decided that he was going to kill all the babies, trying to, to get rid of this threat to his throne. And so we left, we went to Egypt, And you need to know that the Egyptians have no use for a poor Hebrew carpenter. And so these gifts are how we lived for two years. They were God's provision for two years. Well, we had heard that that Herod had died. We were going back to Bethlehem. That's where I wanted us to be. And en route, we heard of the political unrest and decided, I guess we have to go back to Nazareth. We were led to Nazareth. And this amazed me because I thought, God can create the stars. He can create the world. But he can't keep us out of Nazareth. Nazareth was a place where it would be painful, where there would be ridicule, where there would be shunning, where there would be deep hurt, dirty jokes. Could it possibly be? If you're following God, he would lead you into such a place? That's where we were. I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. I had, I, you need to know I had questions. I had some deep questions. I, I wondered about this. I didn't know who to express them to. I couldn't tell Mary that I didn't have the faith to shoot down my questions. I couldn't really tell the people in town. They had their ideas of where Jesus came from, and this wasn't going to work. They never let us really forget that or let Jesus forget it. We're not children of fornication like you are. We have one father. You have two fathers. We don't know who the first one is. That was true. But, but you have, the other one's Joseph. I, I wondered. You know, there were times when I really questioned the whole thing. I wondered if I loved Mary so much and wanted things to be true and work out so much that my heart and my mind, they kind of conspired to come up with this dream. You need to know, Jesus did not seem like the savior of the world to me. He seemed like a normal little boy. He was a good little boy. He was obedient. But, but he, he, he nursed. You, you sing your song, the cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. He cried, just so you know, he cried. 
He ran to the table with his brothers and sisters when we were in Nazareth. He didn't work any miracles. When he fell, he hurt his knee. He would cry. It would bleed. I would hold him in my lap. I would tell him stories and pray, and he would fall asleep. It was just normal. One time we were, he was 12, we were at Jerusalem for a feast. And, and we, were, we were coming home, and Jesus knew we were, were coming home. And, and we got in our caravan, had to travel in a caravan for safety's sake. But lots of relatives. And, and Well, we got about a day away. And we just assumed Jesus was with the relatives. He knew we were leaving. At that night, though, we looked. We couldn't find him. We had left Jesus back in, in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a dangerous place for a lone little boy. And so Mary and I took off back up the hill, back to, to, to Jerusalem. And we were frantic, as you might be as a parent if you've lost a child ever. Somebody could have hurt him. Somebody may be hurting him even now. Perhaps if they haven't, he's afraid and he's, he's scared and he's hungry and he's cold and all of those things. We were beside ourselves. We finally found Jesus in the temple, but he was not asking where we were. He was not crying. He didn't care. He was talking to our spiritual leaders. Asking them questions about the dietary laws. Oh, Mary got upset. I just backed off a little bit. And Mary said, Jesus, you knew we were leaving. You drove your father and myself crazy. Why did you do this to us? And Jesus looked at her and said, Surely you should have known. I, I needed to be about my father's business. Well, I mean, that sounds good in church, you know, but when you're an exasperated parent going crazy and this rolls off the mouth of a 12-year-old, you're not sure what to do with it. I, I had a lot of questions. I just wasn't sure what to do with these. Oh, how do you handle that? I, I did have one thing. Amidst my questions, the prophet Isaiah wrote eight, 800 years before my time. And he said this. This, this is great. He said, the virgin shall be with child. The virgin shall be with child. He used those words. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I held on to that sentence. It was just one sentence, but I held on to it for dear faith. It was all I had. Now, some of you here have faith like Mary. It's pure, it's solid, it's, it's deep, it's obedient. You're special people. Some of you here, though, I guess, guessing you're probably more like me. You're down-to-earth people, very practical people. You live in a world of cause and effect. You like things you can see and measure. And, and believing is just a little bit difficult. Faith has its moods. I remember after, after the encounter with the angel or meditating on Isaiah or uh, the experience with the Magi thinking, there can never be any doubt. This is right. And then there were other times. Frankly, the whole thing didn't make any sense to me. Maybe you're like that. You doubt your beliefs and believe your doubts. And you wonder if you believe it all. I understand. I understand. All I can tell you is when I was faced with such questions, I fell down on the side of faith. I, I faithed it through. 
amidst the questions and the pain. I, I felt I had to trust even when I didn't feel like trusting. Does that make any sense? Some of you are like that. And you need to know that I, Joseph Davidson, left my thumbprint on Jesus Christ. I taught him to be a carpenter. And he was good. He could make oxen yoke that were easy. The people in the village referred to him as the carpenter. That was me. I left my thumbprint on the Savior of the world. And he left his thumbprint on my soul. But it wasn't easy. I just knew when different things came up, if I, if I thought God wanted me to do this, whether I had all the questions answered or not, whether there was doubt or, or not, I just did it. That's my story. And I wanted to share that with you as you begin to celebrate Christmas and celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's wonderful. But remember, please, that when God sent his son down to earth, he entrusted him to a down-to-earth carpenter who sometimes believed his doubts and doubted his beliefs but faithed it through. You might want to think about that. I'm not the main person in the story. I know. I know. But when God needed someone to take care of his son, he chose an ordinary Joe Davidson, a carpenter, a man who believed the best he could.